service. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I'm Jake Brennan, and I want to tell you about Disgraceland, the award-winning music and true crime podcast that I host. Disgraceland tells the stories of musicians getting away with murder and behaving very badly. Fleetwood Mac, Nipsey Hussle, Cardi B, Ozzy Osbourne, Taylor Swift, Tupac, The Beatles, Amy Winehouse, Jay-Z, The Grateful Dead, and so many more. This is not the music history you've heard before. This is an uncensored, immersive look at the lives of musical icons as seen through the crimes they've committed or that have been perpetrated against them. Did Jerry Lee Lewis murder his fifth wife? What really happened to Sam Cooke in that seedy motel at 3 a.m.? And how did the Rolling Stones wind up sleeping with the First Lady? Wait, what? New episodes of Disgraceland drop every Tuesday with bonus episodes released on Mondays and Thursdays. So get in, buckle up, and join me in Disgraceland. Available right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Rock a roll Badlands listeners, are you here? Are you with me? Are you too tired to go to bed? Too riled up to stay home? I know I am. This is another podcast that comes after the podcast. Welcome to Badlands, the rap party. Welcome to the Badlands bonus episode, another thing we like to call the rap party. Just like that other show, this is a show that comes after the show. A voyage from one episode of Badlands to the other, the back lot breakdown of sorts. On this episode, we are talking about Bill Murray, Hunter Thompson, and Made Men. Plus, my recommendations in your movie-focused voicemails, texts, DMs, and more Badlands listeners. Let's get into it. All right, greetings, brothers and sisters, and welcome to the rap party. Let's dive right in to Bill Murray. What can you say about Bill Murray that has not already been said? If you're around my age, uh, of my generation, you grew up on Bill Murray movies, Caddyshack, Ghostbusters, Stripes, Meatballs, and then later Groundhog Day, What About Bob, uh, Rushmore, 
The list goes on and on and on. Bill Murray, he's deadpan, he's anti-authority, he's smartass, he's fourth way, but you know all of this. And what you may not know, though, is that before Bill Murray was an actor, before he was a comedian, Bill Murray was a pre-med student who dealt a little weed, actually a lot of weed on the side. He was caught with five bricks of it at the O'Hare International Airport in Chicago. This is all after he made a bomb threat. And uh, thank God for it, because now we get to explore Bill Murray in a Badlands episode. I'm not condoning bomb threats. I'm just saying. All right. Uh, Maybe also you weren't aware that Bill Murray crashed Elvis Presley's burial and a riot broke out, but have no fear. We have all these stories and more for you in this week's episode of Badlands on Bill Murray, a guy who is so obsessed to rise above being a quote unquote medium talent. You'll get that when you listen to the episode uh, that he came to volatile blows with musicians, with fellow actors, and even with himself. All this talk about Bill Murray in early 80s comedies got me thinking, and I like this train of thought because I love the nostalgia of it, of this question. Is Bill Murray the greatest comedic actor of the decade from the 1980s, or is it somebody else? This is not an easy thing to answer. Chevy Chase? John Candy, Goldie Hawn. We're not talking highbrow movies here. I'm talking classic, big, broad 80s comedies, the kind that they don't make anymore, the kind that I wish they still made. Uh, Who do you got? Greatest comedic actor or actress of the 1980s. Who's your favorite? Who's underrated? Who have we forgotten about that we need to talk about more? Who have I left off uh, out of this sort of mention here? I left someone very big off intentionally because I didn't want to just sway the whole audience in one way. And I know you guys are going to hit me up on it. Hit me up. 617-906-6638. Favorite comedian of the 1980s. Uh, Let me know. All right. And to that point, voicemails, texts, all that. We got them. We got them right here. Colleen in the 941. Hi, Jake. This is Colleen calling from the 941 down here in Florida. And I could be late on this, but you are talking about actors that portray somebody. And have you seen Bill Murray in Where the Buffalo Roam? He plays Hunter S. Thompson, and it's fantastic. It's just a really funny movie. Anyways, I love your show. Fantastic. Keep up the great job. Talk to you. Yes, Colleen, I have seen Bill Murray in Where the Buffalo Roam. Great timing, by the way, on this answer. And here's the thing. I kind of like Bill Murray's version of Hunter S. Thompson more than I like a uh, another recent Badlands subject, Johnny Depp, who famously, of course, played Hunter S. Thompson. I don't know. There's some <laughs> Bill Murray's take is just, it's very Bill Murray. And there's something very Bill Murray about Hunter S. Thompson, something that's very smart ass and not so serious. And I think it's totally captured in Where the Buffalo Roam. Check that movie out. All right, Stephanie from the 617. Hey, Jake, this is Stephanie from the 617, and you were asking about in the Badlands casting party, after party, rap party? What are the parties? About uh, your favorite actors, actresses playing other famous actors, actresses. Hello, Susan Sarandon playing Betty Davis, and Jessica Lange playing Joan Crawford in the short miniseries about them called Feud. I believe it was on FX a few years ago. Susan Sarandon absolutely slayed those bedroom eyes. All I could think of was that song from the 80s or something. She had Betty Davis eyes. Susan Sarandon was outrageously good, and you cannot discount Jessica Lange's performance either. Plus, she already has those natural eyebrows. I've been obsessed with Joan Crawford as an actress and just a style icon since I was a wee, tiny person, 
And, yeah, I know she was probably a garbage human being, but God damn, was she sexy. Stephanie, great answer, especially given that the Joan Crawford episode that we just did was released last week. So thank you for that. Thanks for reminding me of the series. I've never seen this series. I've wanted to. I've thought about it many times. I've come close. But alas, I have not watched it. Great call, though. Love the passion and the attention to the eyes. And yes, sexy, sexy, sexy. All right. Hey, Jake and Chad calling from the 507. Big fan of your show. Uh, modern Westerns, I just wanted to make sure you've seen The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. A fantastic film by Andrew Dominic, uh, Brad Pitt, Jeremy Renner. Uh, best work Casey Affleck's ever done. Cinematography by Roger Deakins, including iconic shot of Brad Pitt's silhouette as, uh, uh, as a train's coming down some old tracks uh, during a robbery. Contemplative, dark, sad, long, but never boring. Um, one of the best-looking films in the last 20 years and a modern classic. Great Western of any genre. Dude, thank you. Great recommendation. I need to watch this movie. I feel like this film just kind of happened and then it went away to never be heard from again, which is weird given the cast, the amazing cast. And I've seen parts of this movie. It's been on cable and I've sort of like jumped in and I've been pulled into it, but then pulled myself right out. I've stopped it so that I could watch it all at once. Uh, so I know this movie does not suck, but I, for whatever reason, I just keep forgetting to go back to it. But I wonder why it's not part of the sort of culture discussion that we have about Westerns, about modern movies, just about Brad Pitt movies. This is going to be a great one to sit down with. I'm psyched to watch it. Thanks for reminding me. Okay, a couple weeks ago, we asked about badass women in film, and I want to get into that here a little more fully. So uh, let's check out Lori from the 417. Hey, Jake. Lori from the 417 in Missouri. Just let's face it, Coal Miner's Daughter, man, it's a classic. It's one of my favorite, favorite movies of all time. It's a great movie. Don't forget about it. You're doing great. Thank you. Bye. Yes, I agree, Lori. You cannot fuck with Sissy Spacek. Um, on the same subject, Samantha. Let's uh, let's hear what Samantha has to say. Hey, Jake. This is Samantha. If you love Sigourney Weaver, you have to watch The Lost Flowers of Alice Hart. It's on Amazon. Sigourney is a freaking badass like she always is. And it's a series. Right now, it's part six. Watch it. You're going to freaking love it. You're going to love her. She's kind of a bitch, but you still fucking love her. All right. Have a great day. Thanks for the call, Samantha. I'm always here for the Sigourney Weaver love. Would also like to add Jamie Lee Curtis's name to the mix. All right. Text me 617-906-6638 on your favorite Jamie Lee Curtis movies. We haven't talked about her enough. Uh, anyone's here in the last season of The Bear, amazing, amazing, all right? 617-906-6638, call with your voicemail, send me your text. Best comedic star of the 80s, is it Bill Murray? If not, who is it? Best Jamie Lee Curtis role, Trading Places, Halloween, The Bear, True Lies, 617-906-6638 with your voicemails and your texts. All right, let's do some texts right now. Let's get into it. From the 239, Ken says from the 732, but I still have my 239. Can't get SW Florida out of my blood. Anyway, I am an avid listener. I hear you always talking about how much you like The Godfather. A must-watch is The Offer. It's one season on Paramount+. Plus. You will love it, Rockerola. I've seen The Offer. I've talked about it here, man, and it's fucking great. It was tough to get into because I did not like the first episode, but I hung in there, Bubby, and uh, I really loved it. I love all that shit. I love stories about people making movies. <laughs> I just do. All right. What else we got here? Hey, Jake, this is Frank from the 570. Huge fan 
of all your work. I would love to hear a Badlands episode on Apocalypse Now. The entire production was crazy. From the war going on during filming, the film Murder of an Animal, to Marlon Brando being a greedy bitch. I don't know how much you know about it, but it would make for an amazing episode. Keep up the great work, Rocco Rolla. Well, 570, Frank. I know a little bit about it. I saw that film that Coppola's wife made, uh, the documentary Hearts of Darkness. And yeah, that's a great idea. Zeth, that's another one we're going to have to check out. 512 writes in, Krista here from the 512. You asked about modern westerns. I recommend Bone Tomahawk. It's more of a western horror, but it's excellent if you're into that kind of thing. Starring Kurt Russell, Patrick Wilson, Matthew Fox, and David Arquette. It's a tough watch, but so good. I'm going to check this out, Krista. I've never seen it. You're not the only one who's written in about Bone Tomahawk, so I'm going to get into it. 312 writes in, hey, Jake, Sarah from the 920. What is this? Everyone writes in, I can see your area codes when you text. Everyone's like claiming their OG area codes that aren't actually from their phone. <laughs> hey, Jake, Sarah from the 920. I think a wonderful portrayal of an actor playing another is Sean Hayes playing Jerry Lewis and the made for TV movie Martin and Lewis, the comedic genius Sean had to represent, and the depth of life behind the curtain is worth the watch. Love the show. Keep doing what you're doing. I had no idea about this movie, and now I'm super interested. Thank you for that. Hey, Jake, Jason from the 316 to add to your Johnny Depp on Badlands. Do you remember the Tom Petty video from the Into the Great Wide Open? I do. This young Johnny Depp. I remember that. Love what you do. Rock a roller. Thank you so much. 316. Appreciate that. All right. From the 615. Hi. I love your shows. I listen even when I'm not initially that interested in the subject because I like your style. You're just talking about songs about stars. I made a playlist of songs that mention classic film stars. Classics only. I have 10 hours of music so far, but it's a work in progress. Dude, 10 hours is a lot, man. That's a lot of progress. You've made a lot of progress, 615. I suggest maybe halting the progress and sending me the link to that playlist so I can check it out. All right, still on this mission movie vibe. Nicole in Buffalo writes in. Hi, Nicole. Thanks for writing in again. Appreciate you. Writes in, uh, best mission movie? Question mark. The Goonies! Exclamation point. And that is a great answer. I never thought of that. Never thought of Goonies as a mission movie. From the 713, hey, Jake, you wanted a good mission movie? Check out Chicken Run. Not greatest, but unique. It's Stalag 17 and Claymation with Chickens. And Mel Gibson is the lead. Very clever, and your kids will enjoy it. Well, hell yeah. I'm interested in that. Chicken Run. Had no idea what that was. 509 writes in, Jake, for a few Westerns, you got to see the Cowboys and the Shootist, both with Duke Wayne. I need a good John Wayne. Like, where do I go? I saw The Searchers. It's incredible. Loved it. But where do I go from there? I don't know. Uh, the 385 writes in, hey, Jake, Erica here, 801 or 385 Utah. I'm all caught up on the episodes. Thanks, Erica. My choice for my all-time favorite actor is a split between Brando, Dean, and Eastwood. Those are some good-looking dudes. Uh, my actress is Elizabeth Taylor and Goldie Hawn. My all-time favorite movie is Hard, but I keep coming back to Night at the Opera and Arsenic and Old Lace. I understand not one of my top actors are in those, but that's how it is. I, myself, love everything Quentin Tarantino, but I still haven't sat and watched from start to finish Kill Bill 1 and 2. I know. I will now. Well, neither have I. I think, we, I think I talked about that. Are you quoting me? I can't tell. Uh, let's see. Erica goes on to say, I work in a chill place as a tech. I get to listen to movies, podcasts, and search all your recommendations. Thank you and your team for all you do. I have to say it. I love your voice. Keep us informed about merch and have a great day. And if you read this on the pod, I'll hear it and probably die. Don't die, Erica. Rockarola, Erica says. Oh, Mickey and Mallory Knox are the characters from Natural Born Killers. I'm born and raised New Mexican, proud of it. And I now reside in Utah. Well, thanks for connecting, Erica. Appreciate that. All right. 
You guys know how to text. You know how to get in touch with me. 617-906-6638. You can leave me a voicemail or a text. Voicemail or a text. But I like the voicemails. I like the text too, but I like hearing your voice. You can also DM me at Pod, Twitter, Instagram, uh, whatever, X, Facebook, all the places. I'm there. Thank you once again for the text, the voicemail, 617-906-6638. Hit me up. Let me know. Best comedic star of the 80s. Is it Bill Murray? Is it not? Who is it? Jamie Lee Curtis movies. What are the best ones? I want to know. Hit me up. I want to know what you guys think. I obviously have my opinion. I'm going to take a quick break. I'll be back after this. All right, this week's music connection. There's the obvious, of course, which is the Elvis thing that I mentioned before. That moment in 1977 that Bill Murray found himself crashing the King's burial uh, while a riot unfolded. But you can hear about that in the actual episode, so I'm not going to get into it here. But I do want to talk about some other music connections, and I want to talk about Bill Murray, 72 years old, having a summer fling with Khalees, nearly 30 years his junior. Yes, this reportedly was actually true. Bill and singer Khalees, you know my milkshake brings all the boys to the yard, that Khalees. Said to have dated recently, but it appears it has since come to an end. All right, Bill Murray, don't be heartbroken. You're going to bounce back, buddy. I promise. As you know, Bill Murray has had this long-running love of music, of rock and roll in particular. You see it in a lot of these guys who came from Chicago, from the Second City Improv. Guys like Bill's SNL pals, Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, actually started, uh, obviously, a real band with A-list musicians, the Blues Brothers. They had real success. Bill Murray didn't quite go that far, but over the years, he's shown that perhaps he was a singer in another life. And what am I talking about? I'm talking about his unofficial status as the king of karaoke. I'm talking about Bill Murray laying it on the line and leaving it all over the stage in these impromptu live performances. He's given at charity events and fundraisers, uh, leading the band through songs like Gloria and Brandy, You're a Fine Girl. I'm talking about Bill Murray singing Roxy Music's More Than This and Lost in Translation, and then Bob Dylan's Shelter from the Storm in St. Vincent. The guy's not acting, and if the guy's not golfing, then the guy's on a mic somewhere making a fool of himself and loving it, and I am here for it. All right, Bill Murray? Okay, the number one movie from this episode is Torah, 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 which came out in September of 1970, which as I'm saying this is surprising to me. This feels like an earlier movie. It's an epic war film about the attack on Pearl Harbor and which famously featured three directors, four if you count the legendary Akira Kurosawa, who left the production shortly after it started and is technically uncredited. Bill Murray wouldn't make a movie for almost a decade after Tora Tora Tora, but once he started, man, he made a lot of stuff, a lot of good stuff, some duds too, but let's focus on the good here, all right? Meatballs in 1979, Caddyshack and Where the Buffalo Roam, uh, both in 1980, Stripes in 1981, which I love, I fucking love Stripes, but I will go to the mat arguing that it is only half a movie. <laughs> Maybe maybe a little more than half, but it gets uh it goes off the fucking rails at the end, man. All right, Tootsie, 1982, Ghostbusters, 1984, Scrooge, 1988, Quick Change, which he directed in 1990, which I've never seen. What about Bob? Love that, 1991. What about Bob? I talked about um what was that movie? The Heist recently. Was it The Heist? No, The Score. The Score. Not David Mamet. The Score with Robert De Niro 
Marlon Brando, and Ed Norton, directed by Frank Oz, who also directed What About Bob? Uh, Groundhog Day from 1993, Kingpin 1996, Rushmore 1998, and The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou 2004. So many more. What's your favorite Bill Murray movie? This is not hard. 617-906-6638. This is something, you know, we need to be, need to be debating this over beers in a bar somewhere. Uh, great, great, great question. Great topic to get into. I want to know your favorite Bill Murray movie. Let me know. 617-906-6638 on the voicemail and the text. All right. Or you can DM me at Pod. That's uh, Twitter. That's Facebook. That's X. That's fucking threads. That's uh, TikTok everywhere. We're everywhere. Let us know. All right. Speaking of that, let's do some DMs. From Jebediah on Instagram writes, Gator. He's talking about the skater. Gator is definitely a Badlands-worthy story. Look into the Shane Cross thing, too, if you want. I don't know who Shane Cross is. Jebediah, hit me up. I think it's like a BMX guy or a skater, like Gator, perhaps. I don't know, but hit me up. All right. uh, This one's from Joshua Matthew on Instagram. Writes in, I can tell you a Western to check out. It's called High Plains Drifter, starring Clint Eastwood. No one is good in it. (laughs) And it stuck with me after watching because Hollywood wouldn't make this today. One messed up Western. I've never seen High Plains Drifter, which is nuts. And I will check that out. Thanks for reminding me. All right, social distancing since 1971 writes at Disgraceland Pod. Just started listening to Badlands. Caught your free bonus episode. Best two westerns: The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, Ford's Greatest, and Once Upon a Time in the West, Leone's Greatest. Keep up the good work. Those are some damn good recommendations. Heard of both of those. Haven't seen either. Uh, gonna check them out. So thank you. Social distancing since 1977. Eric. Geff writes in, anyways, I wanted to mention something for your recommendations to consider. There's a TV show on History Channel that I like. It's called The Foods That Built America. It's about 40 or 50 episodes of an in-depth look at food companies. How they mostly rose through time and mostly competed against similar brands in a cutthroat manner. I think you'll like it. I do like it. I've seen it. And I watch it. I watch it with my kids sometimes. It's damn good. Uh, Eric goes on to write, and I actually laughed out loud when you called out Melatone in an episode of Listening to Just the Way You Said It was hilarious. I'm sure you'll know which one I'm talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about, Eric, but I appreciate you writing in. Thank you. David Unruly writes, November 11th, 1963. Okay, Badlands listeners. Yes, we made a flub in the recent Joan Crawford episode. I believe. Yeah, Joan Crawford. And uh, I mistakenly said November 11th, 1963, as the date that John F. Kennedy was shot. And I, of course, know that it was November 22nd. I misspoke. It happens. You're talking to a microphone as much as I do every week. You're going to say some stupid shit. But I am going to fix it. I have fixed it. And it is, uh, if you still hear the wrong date, it's because you've downloaded the episode. But have no fear, the new one is up there. And should you get rid of your episode and download it again and listen to it for a second time, which I don't think you will, but if you were to do that, you would hear the correct date. All right. Jeremy Mundy writes in, Jake, longtime fan. My name is Jeremy, a.k.a. Metalhead Mundy, a.k.a. your friendly neighborhood garbage man. I'm currently sweating my balls off on a hot and humid day in the 765. That's Kokomo, Indiana. Late to the game here, but my favorite music biopic that no one ever talks about is Sweet Dreams, starring Jessica Lane as Patsy Cline and Ed Harris as her husband. Awesome performances, amazing music, tragic story. Highly recommend Rockarola. I've seen this, I think, long time ago. I don't remember Ed Harris. I remember Tommy Lee Jones. No, I'm, I'm confusing Tommy Lee Jones with Coal Miner's Daughter. But I have seen this a long, long time ago, Jeremy. Thanks for writing in and introducing yourself. Appreciate it. Try to stay cool out there. All right. DM me, guys, at Disgraceland Pod, Facebook, Twitter slash X, TikTok, Instagram. 
That's how you get a hold of me. You can always call me as well, 617-906-6638. I'm going to take a quick break. I'll be back with some recommendations after this. This is the other recommendations part, the part of the other show where we recommend the movies and television content, the recommendations part, the part where we discuss the movies and television that we are recommending. This is the recommendations part here in the Badlands Rap Party bonus episode 617-906-6638 to give me your recommendations. But guys, I don't even know where to start this week. My wife and I have basically been watching a movie a night or a movie over two nights because <laughs> we're tired and we crash early because we're working our asses off right now. But watched uh, Harrison Ford recently in Clear and Present Danger. And this is one of those, I, you know, I've just registered this in my head as something that I'd seen years ago. And I, I never really had. I was confusing it with another movie entirely. And love this movie. Great thriller, great political thriller. Huge movie at the box office. Uh, never read the book. This is an adaptation of a Tom Clancy novel. They adapted into a film. Many people must have read this book because it's a huge bestseller. And then so many people went to the movies and saw this film because it did gangbusters at the box office. A massive success. Like I said, a lot of people loved it. It's just obvious question. You know, what are some of the greatest adaptations, uh, novels at, adapted into film? And of course, just off the top of my head, without even thinking about it, Godfather. Goodfellas, which was called Wise Guy, and Jaws. For me, I'm not sure Clancy and Clear and Present Danger come close to those three, though you might disagree. You might have another book that was adapted to film that you really, really loved. Um, I always loved this. I, I always thought, you know, when people get all up in arms about not liking an adaptation, a film adaptation from a novel, it always just struck me as weird because it's, I think some people go into it thinking, having this really juvenile take that or juvenile expectation, I should say, that the movie is going to be everything that the book is just in, in visual 2D. And of course, it's not. It's a different medium completely. I love when the movie and the book talk to each other in different ways. And, you know, you can really, really see that in a book like The Friends of Eddie Coyle, which is a movie that I love. You read the book and it feels like it's like an 80% dialogue and you really start, then you go and watch the movie again. You really start to understand how, how someone reading that book was like, oh yeah, we're making a movie out of this. Like it's all right there. And you can really hear the influence of it. You can see the influence of it. You can feel the influence of it. Uh, like I said, I didn't read Clancy's Clear and Present Danger. Maybe some of you did. I have read The Godfather. I think I've read it three times, maybe something like that. Different points in my life. I've never read Wise Guy. I did read Jaws. Obviously, these are completely different mediums, so I don't compare any of them, but I, like I said, I like the way they talk to them. What are some of your favorite adaptations, books to film? Let me know, 617-906-6638. Coincidentally, we're talking adaptations. We're talking Goodfellas, like I said, it was called Wise Guy. It was written by Nicholas Pileggi, uh, who worked with Henry Hill, the gangster, to create that book, which then became the uh, Martin Scorsese uh, sort of seminal mafia film. I just got done reading Made Men by Glenn Kenny, which is about the making of Goodfellas, the movie, and I loved it. Uh, shout out to Brady, my business partner, who, of course, knew that I would love this, and he's the one who gave me this book, so thanks, man. Uh, if you love Goodfellas, and I know you do, I know you all do, then I highly recommend reading this book. So many amazing stories about the film, how it was pulled together, how it was made. You know, one of the things that I really took away from this book is just a lot of people think 
especially this movie where it's it's a bunch of like really highly charismatic characters uh, who seemingly are having fun, at least for the first half of the movie, the first two thirds of the movie. And in reading the book, it's clear that, you know, I don't know anything about making movies. I don't know anything about being on a movie set, I should say. I don't know anything about what actors and actresses have to go through for a role. And I'm not talking about strictly just method actors, but you know, they're, they're sitting around and there's, there's, there's a whirlwind of activity happening all, all around them. And there's all these different things that need to be executed by, by hundreds of people on a set. And you've got these actors who have to tap into this highly emotional place to do these things. And I was reading this, uh, this anecdote from the movie, it's the end of the movie, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Goodfellas and you don't want the ending ruined, just fast forward a minute. But um, they're in court and it's that scene where where Henry Hill, Ray Liotta betrays uh, Robert De Niro's Jimmy Conway character. And he, they need the scene where De Niro looks to the camera with all the emotion that he's feeling for Henry Hill, for Ray Liotta at that moment. And... De Niro is digging deep to like just find the most scornful, hateful, betrayed look that he can. And because he put himself in this mood, it completely fucked up the entire set. And they're sitting there trying to film this scene and everybody's on eggshells because of the vibe that this guy, that the star of the movie is putting off. And there's this thing where they're, they, they can't, there's something wrong and Scorsese can't tell what the fuck is the matter. And he finally says, it's the judge. There's an actor playing the judge. And the judge, the judge is too young. We can't shoot it. The actor, the extra, who, essentially, who's playing the judge, who I don't think had a, has a speaking role, ends up being too young. They get rid of the guy on the spot, but now they need an actor. They get the whole thing set up. They can't strike the set. They can't move on until they find somebody old enough to play the judge. So they're filming this in some state building in New York City or city building. It's a courthouse, like I said. They go out, they find the fucking janitor. <laughs> They find one of the janitors and they put him in costume and they get him up there on the bench and they shoot the scene. But the whole time, everybody's freaking out because De Niro has the whole set under this tension that he's feeling to deliver this, this one look, this one second in the movie. I found that fascinating. And there are, there are so many anecdotes like this from Made Men by, by the author, the film critic, Glenn Kenny. Uh, highly recommended if you're a fan of Scorsese or Goodfellas, which I'm pretty sure most of you are. All right, 617-906-6638. That is the number. Let me know what you guys are reading. Let me know what you're watching. Let me know what you're listening to. I want to know. At Disgraceland Pod as well. Hit me with the movie recommendations, television, all that stuff. All right? Uh, take a quick break. Back to recap in just a moment. All right, we are back. Let's recap, shall we? Number one, The Obvious, the Bill Murray episode of Badlands is available in your feed right now. Go check that out. Number two, next week in Badlands, a brand new episode on Jodie Foster. Number three, over in the Disgraceland feed, we've got the trailer for season 13 
our first serialized season all about Wu-Tang Clan. Ten episodes on the group, one episode per member. That is available for you to check out right now. Check that trailer out. Share it if you like. Number four, call me, okay? 617. I never hear from you. You never call your podcast host. 617-906-6638. We're going to keep this Badlands movie conversation going. Number five, I got to split. I got other podcasts to record and I have to return some videotapes. So right now, a second dose of bliss this week for yours truly in honor of this week's Badlands episode. Me reading the script from Caddyshack. Interior, the wagon. Mrs. Noonan is about to get out, but stops. Danny is desperate to get going. Mrs. Noonan to Danny. It wouldn't kill you to go to mass, you know, Danny. I went last night. They had a special midnight mass for people with summer jobs. Mrs. Noonan. Yeah, I bet. Danny. I got to deliver papers. I got to mow Bieber's lawn. And I'm, Mrs. Noonan, going to a party at the Yacht Club. I know. Hooray for you. Remind your father to pick us up after mass, all right? Danny. You told me a thousand times. Mrs. Noonan. Getting out. And you'll still forget. She closes the door and Danny peels away. Exterior, Noonan Garage, a little later. Danny and Andy are loading the wagon with heavy stacks of fat Sunday papers. Andy, reluctant. We gotta tie him better. Danny, I don't have time, let's go. He jumps behind the wheel. Back door. Mr. Noonan comes out carrying his golf bag on a cart. Golf shoes and a bag lunch. He's dressed to play golf. Looking snazzier and happier than we've seen him. The car speeds off down the driveway. Mr. Noonan, seeing his transportation disappear. Hey! Exterior, a suburban street. The Chevy wagon speeds down the street. Andy whips papers out of the open tailgate. A man in a bathrobe opens his front door to get his newspaper. He looks at his own lawn and shop, and then turns and looks up to the street. The street, the front lawns on both sides are almost covered with a mess of papers swirling in the summer breeze. A dog chases the Chevy wagon as it squeals around the corner and disappears. Quit talking and start mixing. Cut it!